We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 2 DraftKings picks and preview. Maybe some sleepers, maybe some fades, maybe some lock players in in your lineups so far this week. If you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League, easy to do. Find the link in the description of this video or podcast. It's filling very quickly, so I suggest... You go get your spot now. Also, if you're considering playing Thursday Night Showdown, if you're watching this on a Thursday, check out the Mayo Media Network. David Jones has his breakdown of Thursday Night Football, as he will have for the next, well, I guess this is the first week. So the next 16 weeks, he'll have his Thursday Night Breakdown up there. Very quick video to consume. It's not an hour and 90 million minutes like all of my shows. It's digestible. I suggest you go check it out. Smash the like on everything, especially this video. After you smash the like, give me your favorite play below $4,500 in the comment section for the week two main slate. Again, this is a week two main slate show. I said this last week when people are like, Where are the guys from Sunday night? Where are the guys from Monday night? They're not a part of the main slate. So we're not talking about them. So if you just fucking listen, you can figure it out pretty easily instead of harassing me about, ah, I can't believe you did not talk about Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Well, they're not playing. Well, Michael Thomas isn't playing anyway, but Drew Brees, not on the main slate. So we're not talking about him. Uh, Download the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast and become a sub at ftndaily.com right now. Subs, good week in week one. Pat Mayo, good week in week one. That's why I'm running it back with Elliot Chris from ftndaily.com. Also, if you use code Mayo, you get yourself 10% off. Elliot, I so rarely have the same guest back-to-back, week-to-week on the DraftKings show, but it was my best NFL week in a really long time, so I, I need to roll it back. Yeah, we got we to double down week two, right? We, we had some great calls. We talked about Devontae Adams being the play of the slate. We talked about Paris Campbell being a, a, a cheap guy, along with LaVisca Chenault, who got in the end zone. 
um, I remember Paris Campbell the best because you have that amazing, amazing French accent. So, and we also talked about Washington's defense might be the the best play on the slate in terms of value that opened up everybody else with the fact that Eagles were missing multiple offensive linemen and, and adding Chase Young and, and that pressure. And I, I think the pressure in general is something that's really important to talk about. If you look at the teams that allowed uh, the most pressure, the teams that allowed were, were bottom eight in pressure allowed last week, they all lost. Like they all lost and they all look bad. So finding those those winners in the trenches, I, th- I think, is incredibly key and um, something that I'm going to continue to look forward to in the, in the coming weeks. Well, I don't want to just sit here and bury Horowitz, pat myself on the back the entire time. I faded Josh Jacobs. It turned out I didn't win any giant GPPs about it. But in my like $100 single entry is just very high up in the standings. Uh, turns out Mostert couldn't get all the way there to make up for Josh Jacobs. But hey, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. No one has the perfect nine in their lineup. So hopefully you can tread some water sometimes. Let's talk about overreactions a little bit because week one, you know, people are feeling good. This is exactly how every week is going to play out. These guys are going to do well. These guys aren't going to do well. Is week two the ultimate pivot week on DraftKings where you and I were speaking before the show? It's like, oh, DJ Moore sucks now. No one could ever play him. He's not going to be good this year. Well, it was one week. Like, let's, let's calm down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, DJ Moore dropped two passes, one for a touchdown, and you mentioned the other one probably would have been a 50-yard gain. If he had 110 yards and a touchdown going into a matchup against the Bucks, who were the worst team against wide receiver ones last year, at 6,300, we would be all over it. But instead, no one wants to play DJ Moore. Austin Eckler, right? Now he's never going to catch another pass. Running back targets are only a QB stat. And I think it definitely plays a role. Phillip Rivers dumping off Tyrod Taylor, mobile quarterback. But you look at the Chiefs last year against the, the Chargers. They allowed over 230 yards to backs in the two games. The The Chargers aren't going to be the favorites. They're eight and a half point home dogs. Do we think Austin Eckler gets no involvement? If he would have caught three passes last week, we'd probably be all over him. Now we don't want to play him. I think it's really interesting that you look at data studies and they show that until you have four game sample sizes in this season, the previous season is more predictable. So I think week two is one of the best opportunities to play in tournaments on DraftKings because you can gain leverage of people basically thinking whatever happened the week before is about to repeat itself. And it's the only week we really do that, you know, hard line sinker. It's, it, it's, it's insane when you really think about it, that I think there's a lot of opportunities for the guys who we like last week, who the matchups we look to attack last week, we kind of go back to that because we have an off season's worth of research that says this makes a lot of sense as opposed to one game. Yeah, you kind of spelled it out. Like if this was week nine DraftKings picks, we wouldn't only be thinking about, hey, what happened in week eight? Then we would take the whole season into account or at least the last four weeks to see if there's any sort of trend lines that we can jump on. It wouldn't just be one week worth of data. And that's clearly what's going to happen for each of the next 16 weeks. But uh, let's jump into running backs. Uh, You mentioned Eckler off the top. And this is one where there are some things that are overreactions in week one. But there are other things that it's funny because people fall on two sides of the coin. It's either a massive overreaction or people are like, well, we need more time to figure this out. I think there are some conclusions that you can jump to. Like, if you had a jump to conclusions, Matt, you can figure this out very easily. Good product, by the way. But something like Austin Eckler, it's not just the lack of receptions out of the backfield. Like, he was running the routes, but he wasn't getting the targets. That's somewhat problematic, just from having Tyrod there to see kind of where his eye is at down the field, what he wants to do in the passing game. But also, like, the the carries were there for Eckler. That was fantastic. Like, the actual usage on the ground problem was once they got inside the five Joshua Kelly was all of a sudden in the game so it just feels like a lot of empty calorie touches 
for Austin Eckler right now. I don't know if that's going to change at all. Maybe it most definitely could. He ends up with six catches this week. This is all stupid. But at the same time, it seems like his high leverage touches have gone way down, and I can see that persisting. Yeah, I think Josh Kelly's a real thing, right? I mean, Kelly touched the ball on 66% of his snaps last week. He he played 18 snaps, touched the ball 12 times. He's the power guy. He's probably going to get the goal line touches. Um, I, I think that's those are the kind of trends that I think make a lot of sense. The idea that Austin Eckler is never going to get another target, I think, is <laughs> is, is a bit tomfoolery. Um, like he's, but, he's not now but, Josh Jacobs, and Josh Jacobs is not now Austin Eckler. That's true. But the, the big thing with Eckler is so much of his value was derived that, you know, he would be like his floor with Rivers was like six, seven, eight targets a game. Hopefully he can catch six of them. But if he only catches four of them, that's still all good. If his new target floor is, you know, higher than last week, lower than it was last season, but his new target floor is like four per game, that's not great. No, absolutely. Listen, if, if you drafted Austin Eckler, there's definitely cause for concern. I think that if you wanted to find a guy that there was a good bounce back opportunity, you would say, well, they're eight and a half point underdogs to the Chiefs. You can't cover backs and really struggle on the ground. And he did get 20 opportunities last week, right? He played 50 snaps and he touched the ball on 40% of them. Uh, the, we just saw David Johnson have a big game. I think the Chargers will trail more in this one. The Bengals really struggle to cover deep, and we saw them. Tyrod Taylor use Mike Williams a lot. The Chiefs are much better deep. They really struggle to cover short. You know, again, I know that Rivers inflates running back targets. He, it's hard to argue. He just threw it 17 times to the running backs, where Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor both have eight target upside. It's pretty absurd. But the, I really do think that Austin Eckler is one of those sneaky GPP guys where uh, if he would have gotten five, six targets last week, we'd be looking at about a 25% on guy. Now he might have a sub 5% on guy where people kind of completely look past the matchup against the Chiefs where you you attack them with pass catching running backs. So if we go to the very top of the running back pricing, once again, an even 10K, Christian McCaffrey, in what is one of his two worst matchups of the season. He's going to be at Tampa Bay, averages 1.7 yards per carry against the Bucks over his last four games. We'll get to him in a sec. Then you just drop down 1,600 to Barkley at Chicago, Zeke at 82, Derrick Henry at 79 at home against Jacksonville. Dalvin Cook, Clyde Edwards, hilarious. Aaron Jones, James Conner, who may or may not play, which is a real key to this slate, whether he is active or inactive, at least in my mind. Eckler, who you mentioned at 65, and then Colonel Mostart. He's 6400 bucks. Just after him, you got Gurley and Miles Sanders rounding out the $6,000 range. So those are your top 12 running backs in DK pricing on the main slate right now. I feel like hitting the lock button on Derrick Henry here at home against the Jags. People all of a sudden had this like new conception of the Jags. The Jags are still bad. It just turns out maybe the Colts aren't that great, or maybe it's just week one tomfoolery, but the volume is going to be there. I don't care that he doesn't catch passes. I know this is full PPR scoring, but if someone's going to average like 28 carries a game and he's going to get all the goal line work and he's going to play a terrible run defense, like sign me up. This, this sounds great. Yeah. And in games where the Titans have been favored by four or more points since 2017, Derrick Henry averages 128 yards and 1.75 touchdowns per the FTN daily splits tool. I mean, that's, that's a lot, right? I mean, that right there, that's, that's a ceiling performance. And we also talk about the fact that he doesn't catch passes, but he did catch three against the Broncos. There is no Darrington Evans, right? He's, I mean, McNichols is going to mix in in some pass catching situations, but they still want to get him involved in screens. 7,900 is a very reasonable price tag. Eight and a half, nine point home favorites. I mean, like you mentioned, Jacksonville was a team that we we really wanted to attack last week. Yes, Gardner Minshew completed 95% of his passes. Yes, 
the offense was extremely efficient. The defense still gave up 476 yards, and it's going to be one of the worst in football. I think this is a great spot for Derrick Henry. And, you know, if it wasn't for Zeke sitting $300 more expensive than him, Derrick Henry might be the best, you know, high-end running back on the slate. I think that he is the best high-end running back on the slate. And I think that people will look at Zeke in that shootout game uh, at home against Atlanta, where Dallas is just much better at home. At least they they were last year, scoring almost like 25% more points at home than they did on the road. But I, I still think I would go Henry here in this spot. And I think that Zeke is going to really siphon a lot of the ownership off of him. Yeah, I mean, Zeke's in a great spot, right? I think he played 92% of the snaps last week. He was involved in the passing game. He looked as in shape as we've seen. The Falcons are a team that did better against pass catching backs last year, but the year before, that was the team we always targeted. Uh, the Falcons generate no pressure, and Dak is similar to Matt Ryan in the fact that um, in, if you pressure him, he's not very good, but if you don't pressure him, uh, he he will tear you up. And we've already seen that total climb three points. I definitely think both guys are great plays. If Henry comes in as we get ownership projections on FTN Daily this week, uh, at like a third of the ownership, I would agree with you that Henry would then become the play. Uh, I think just all things being equal, even if they project out around 15 or even 20% ownership, I think I will still lean Derrick Henry in this regard solely for the fact that Zeke is most definitely going to be involved. And I agree with you that they're both good plays. It's going to be hard to play both of them because of the price tag. So maybe you divvy it up. If you're playing 10 lineups that use one and five, one and five, that could make a lot of sense to me. I don't know how many lineups I'm going to play. So I'm just going to go with Derrick Henry mainly there's just no real other options to take the ball away from him, especially at the goal line. And that would be the one decider for me. Zeke's going to get his yardage. He's going to have ample opportunity in the passing game and on the goal line, but Dak is going to call his own number from time to time. And maybe this is where they want to showcase this offense with these receivers going vertical down the field, because spoiler alert, you can do that to the Falcons. Oh, oh yeah. They, <laughs> Amari Cooper, CD lamb, Michael Gallup. I think they're all really good plays. You mentioned Dallas being home, being night and day. Uh, I, I think I forget who who said it, but that um, Amari Cooper is Randy Moss uh, at home and he's Jason Avant on the road. You look at his indoor outdoor splits. He averages 93 yards at home, 50 yards um, outside. Like it's Amari Cooper, I think at 6,300 is one of the better plays. And like you said, you know, I'm not really interested in the A.J. Brown, Corey Davis stuff. If the Titans are going to be huge favorites and play with a the lead, they're just going to lead on Henry. So there's a lot of ways to leverage off Zeke and get other pieces of that Cowboys offense, which are more affordable. So I guess maybe you're, you're starting to convince me that Henry is the better play. I think at the end of the day, they're both great plays. So what do we do with the top two guys? Because I think that this will be the – Lowest ownership you'll see on Christian McCaffrey all year. So I think you can do this one of two ways. I don't think he's going to get a ton on the ground against uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, but that doesn't mean that Christian McCaffrey can't score all of the fantasy points against the Bucks either. They're terrible in the passing game. They're terrible against running backs in the flats. We just saw that with Elvin Kamara last week, and there's no Latavius Murray to come in and take his snaps away either. So he's constantly going to be on the field. I think if you did want to target that game, that it would be a very easy way, like the way to save the money, because he's still super expensive. That's one of the problems with this too, is that you could pair up Teddy B and Christian McCaffrey here if you wanted to. Yeah, you absolutely could. And I, I think that game's going to shoot out and the Panthers are going to be continue to be one of the teams to target uh, their their offensive weapons. This is probably going to be the lowest ownership we have of Christian McCaffrey, right? The That Thursday night football game against the Bucks last year, that was his worst performance of the season by far. Uh, McCaffrey's got the highest ceiling of any player on the slate. And this is probably going to be the one time you can get him at sub 15% ownership. 
The tough part for me is the price tag. There's so many uh, guys who are not pro- appropriately priced again this week, and McCaffrey is. Like last year, McCaffrey was the smash button play every week when he was 8,900, 9,000. But 10,000, it starts to get more difficult. The thing is, with potentially Benny Snell, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Paris Campbell, a couple other values at wide receiver, that it could really open up the the opportunity to play Christian McCaffrey. And in a single-entry GPP, if he ends up at under 10% ownership, which is the kind of tournament that he might, it makes sense to attack Christian McCaffrey because we talked about last week with running backs. Sometimes you got to throw the matchup out when you have a stud and just know that he's going to get the ball 20 to 30 times in this game. And that kind of volume leads to a tremendous ceiling opportunity. Well, it's not like Saquon Berkeley's not going to get any volume either. And yay, fun fact, he's not playing the Steelers this week. So that's probably a big bonus going up against that defense. Now he gets the Bears uh, on the road. They're underdogs. We saw his utilization in the passing game. If you were to pivot off of, like, I think that most people logically are probably going to start their lives with either Zeke, Henry, or Cook. That makes sense to me. It's probably going to be Zeke or Henry, more than likely, more than Cook. And, you know, maybe people go to McCaffrey. It doesn't feel like anyone wants a part of Saquon right now, which that's usually a good spot to take Saquon. Yeah, I mean, listen, (laughs) the Steelers allowed negative adjusted line yards last week. It was absurd, right? I know that Twitter was having a good time with, oh, this is why you don't take a running back second overall. But (laughs) you look look at, like, every play, and there was three Steelers in the backfield before he got the ball. It It was unbelievable i mean 15 carries for six yards but the pass game usage was tremendous right nine targets 60 yards he looked his explosive self we know this guy has game breaking ability this matchup is 10 times better and like you said he's going to have no ownership am i going to go there in single entries probably not because i think i can make the rest of my lineups uh different and i think henry and zeke are, are better plays but if I'm playing 10-plus lineups, I want to make sure I get some Saquon ownership because I think people are just going to ignore it. So let's talk about who are the plays this week. Uh, I think that everyone kind of knows who they are at this point. We talk about it at the top. It's Henry or Zeke. I like Henry over Zeke if you have to choose one of them. Jonathan Taylor is just – I don't want to say he's a free square at 5700 bucks, but – Based on what we know now, no Marlon Mack, his utilization in the passing game. I mean, Hines could be a great play as well. I think they could both be great plays in this situation. But $5,700 just feels like click that and be on your way. That's where you can save some money. I don't care how popular he is. Yeah, this isn't necessarily the Boston Scott situation, right, where his role didn't change that much. With no Marlon Mack, this is the dream, right? This is what everyone talked about when they drafted him in the third round. Is If Marlon Mack goes away, Jonathan Taylor could be a first-round pick. And that was without the expected pass game usage, which he's clearly going to be involved in. This is one of the best pure running back prospects in the last decade. He's got a lot of Nick Chubb to his game. And, and if Rivers is going to target the running back 10 plus times a game, you know, he's just got such a high floor. The Vikings are not, are not the same defense. No Daniel Hunter. They got beat up on the ground last week. I think that this is a team that you attack on the ground and Taylor's going to have the, the target upside that just gives him such a high floor where, you know, this is, like you said, it's the free square. He's going to have a ton of ownership, but there's a reason for it. And it's because he's going to be a 20 plus touchback in a good matchup at home behind the best offensive line as an elite talent. I, I don't really know how you get away from Jonathan Taylor this week. I guess the one thing would be is that you pivot on Naheem Hines and hope that Hines scores the touchdowns and Taylor doesn't. Yeah. I mean, Hines did get the red zone usage, especially in the past game early on. Um, I could definitely see it with Hines. I do think that was kind of his ceiling performance last week. I, I would um, tend to agree with that. I think he's a pretty fair price, though. Like, I, I could see using Naheem Hines, but if it's only going to cost me, what, 
$400 more to get Jonathan Taylor. I think I would just do that. Yeah, I. It, it's really tough to make an argument against Jonathan Taylor. But I definitely think that, again, in MME, you don't have to hit the lock button on Jonathan Taylor. Getting some Naheem Hines exposure and mixing things up, I, I think, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, another guy in that $5,700 range is, is uh, Brown, right, who, who looked really good on Sunday night. Cam Akers was a bit of a mess. And, you know, he was running with the ball in the wrong hand. He was running into offensive linemen. They ran power a ton with Brown, who really ate up the Cowboys. The Eagles front is solid, but, you know, the the Rams in general, the running back scores a lot of touchdowns, and people are going to talk about Todd Gurley inflated those numbers. But for me, it's it's a Sean McVay system thing. Well, they'll run 11, they'll run 12, they'll spread out the offense near the goal line, and the running backs have these giant holes to score touchdowns. And 18.3 touchdowns average with McVay per year for running backs. So 5,700, I think Brown is going to continue to, to – get that usage we saw him get usage on third downs as well not daryl henderson not cam Akers, but brown i think brown at 5700 is another interesting pivot off jonathan taylor see i worry about brown not so much for this week i think that he's gonna end up seeing the plurality of touches in the rams backfield or at least the plurality of snaps in the rams backfield but i think you have another week for daryl henderson to get healthy uh, he was dealing with that hamstring injury so maybe that pops up for him cam Akers, maybe he's coached up again this week i still see this being a three-headed running back system once we get into the season that might not be the case this week it was the same reason like on waiver wire uh why i didn't love i mean pick up malcolm brown obviously but there are better options than him at least in my mind long term because i still see this being somewhat of a split like in that five thousand dollar range if i was to get away from some of the colts guys um not melvin gordon even if philip Lindsay ends up sitting just i think it's pretty clear this was the case last year it was the case week one uh plus melvin gordon's not good so that doesn't help but don't don't play anyone against pittsburgh uh running back wise that's that's not a great idea so pass on that and then we're looking at some different options here i actually kind of like at 5200 bucks Ronald Jones. I know Brad loves Leonard Fournette for reasons unknown, but against Carolina, I wasn't necessarily buying into it last week, but this is a very cheap price for a guy who got the touches last week for the Bucks. And if they want to keep it on the ground, I don't know if I can quite get there because I, I think I'd just rather play Jonathan Taylor than just kind of pivot off of him onto any of these guys like him or even David Montgomery because we just saw Benny Snell go hog all over the Giants run defense. But Jones could be a better play uh, in this lower range, maybe. Yeah, so two things. One is on your Brown point, I completely agree that I don't think the whole season he's going to dominate the touches, but I think Akers is not there yet. He's still raw. And frankly, I think Daryl Henderson kind of stinks and does not fit that system. Uh, On Ronald Jones, the Panthers are the team we want to attack on the ground. There's kind of no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Last year, they allowed 27 rushing touchdowns and over 2,000 rushing yards. The Bucks are you know, nine-point home favorites. Ronald Jones had 17 carries last week. He, he saw more targets. It's tough to make the argument against the Panthers right now have allowed three or more touchdowns in like a record-setting amount of games. This, this is the team and defense target on the ground. I do think Leonard Fournette each week is going to get more and more involved. While Jones significantly outtouched him, he didn't significantly outsnapped snap him i think that jonathan taylor is a better play but at 5200 i'm not going to sit here and say that ronald jones is not a good play 
Yeah, and actually, I kind of go back to the David Montgomery point. Uh, he only played 46% of the snaps in week one to Cohen's 47. They were trailing most of that game. They're favorites at home against the Giants, who I just mentioned you can kind of run all over. I like Talent-wise, I don't like David Montgomery, but I like this matchup, and if he's still going to be their goal line guy, or at least touch the ball inside the five, there's a potential for like a multi-touchdown game here. Yeah, there is. It was interesting. The the Bears in the in week one actually threw the ball in the red zone more than any other team in a 73% clip. Last year, the Giants were one of the worst red zone defenses in all of football. They allowed a pass uh, touchdown to interception ratio of 17 to 1. <laughs> um, that Giants defense is all kind of bad all over the field. But just because it worked last week and that numbers could absolutely – this is a great example of week one – Numbers can be inflated. They were trailing a lot. Of course, they were throwing more. Uh, David Montgomery, I think, is in a good spot where no one's going to play him. And, you know, they're home favorites against a defense that's terrible. These are the game scripts we're looking for Montgomery in. So I like that in large field GPPs to to look at David Montgomery. So, yeah, I think he would be the logical giant GPP pivot. If I'm playing like a three max or a single entry, I'm just going to use Jonathan Taylor. So that's kind of the thing. Hopefully he doesn't bust out on me this week. But going down into the 4Ks, like if Connor doesn't play, how many teams are just going to have Zeke, Jonathan Taylor, and Benny Snell on them? All of them? (laughs) That's going to be the popular build, right? Because there's a lot of pay-up wide receivers in good spots this week. So um, I'd in that case, I would definitely want to go Henry if I'm going to go those other two and try to get leverage or potentially Barkley. That's how you, you try to win against those Snell and Taylor teams. But Snell looked awesome, right? The biggest thing was calling him Snail instead of Snell because he was so slow in college, but he lost a lot of weight. He looked quick. He was hitting the hole. He was pressing the hole and bouncing outside incredibly well. Um, the Broncos aren't a run defense. That particularly scares me. They're going to be home favorites. And they're, the Steelers running backs, this this is the team you want the running back on, right? When they when they get a bell cow, they just they feature him heavily. Uh, it's it's tough to make an argument against 4,700 Snell, but you're right. A lot of lineups will start to look very similar if you go Zeke, Snell, and um, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, so I think playing all three of them is probably fine for cash or even like high-dollar single entries and then try to figure out, kind of match the field there and then figure out where you can go maybe somewhere else, maybe with a different QB stack, something like that. But yeah, Snell at 4,500 bucks. The problem becomes if Connor ends up playing or he's active, think that would get me off of him but at the same time it could be two snaps for Connor he's hurt again then he's off the field then all of a sudden you're glorious but if Connor's playing I figure he's healthy enough to get the work right yeah I mean I don't think they're going to completely abandon Connor but I think that Connor Belkow is it's like officially gone with Snell looking that that good if Connor's there and Snell becomes uber chalk I don't know how you play Snell because he's he's locked and loaded at 4,500 because he should see 20 plus touches if that drops to 13 to 14 touches, you know, his his value at that ownership is gone where the variance could easily get you. So I'm with you that if Connor's active and Connor's going to be involved, I'm off the Benny Snell train. Uh, in the 4K, if we're just looking for 4K running backs, maybe we shouldn't be. But I think Zach Moss is in a very interesting situation against Miami. If Josh Allen doesn't steal his touchdowns, it does appear like he is getting those goal line carries over Devin Singletary, which is 
very reminiscent of last season when Frank Gore was getting those carries instead of Devin Singletary, and then he couldn't get in, and then Josh Allen just got in instead as he was their power one-yard sneak guy, which is fantastic. It really works out. But that is a potential high, like almost like the Singletary, or like the uh, David Montgomery situation. That's a potential multi-touchdown game for Zach Moss. Uh, I don't know what else he does on the field because... Devin Singletary significantly outsnapped him last week, but the valuable touches went to Moss. Like, just kind of going down. James Robinson looks like a bell cow. I don't love the matchup, especially if, you know, they're almost 10-point dogs. You know that using Derrick Henry is going to slow that pace down. But he's only $4,400. And then the only other starter from down here, really, like DeAndre Swift, I think is super interesting, and no one wants to play him after he dropped a touchdown. But I loved his usage last week, and maybe we only see more and more and more of that because he didn't even really start the game on the field the more they got into the game which you know they ended up losing so maybe you know he was bad luck or something like that but he got the goal line carries he was involved in the receiving game I think people are overlooking that because that's a three-way split not necessarily the best running backs to target in a three-way split but I thought it was very interesting with his pass game prowess and then Gore Jamal Adams I I don't want to do that but one of them could get like 20 touches ah (laughs) so Man, the Jets are so bad um, <laughs> at everything, and they're playing the 49ers. They're, I mean, their offensive line allowed pressure on 44% of snaps last week. I just – I can't do it as seven-point underdogs. Frank Gore is just not the direction I want to go. Swift is interesting. The Packers were really bad at adjusted line yards. You can attack them with pass-catching backs. If he would have caught that touchdown, we're looking at a, what, 19, 20-point game from him? And, and, and then all and, of a sudden – Yeah, and we're looking at probably a price bump into 5,500, and then we're looking at – when we have that conversation about Jonathan Taylor, we're thinking about, oh, you know who the pivot off Taylor is. It's DeAndre Swift. But now we're not talking about that. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. And that's that goes back to the week one point, right, where one drop, one play goes slightly different. And then, you know, the entire slate this week in terms of the focus changes. So I think DeAndre Swift is actually an incredibly sharp call. Um, I think James Robinson is interesting. You look at the Jaguars last year, they dumped it off to running backs a lot, right? Fournette had a, over 100 targets. Um, they, they trail – when they trail and lose, Minshew uh, kind of goes crazy. He's, he's better <laughs> in those situations – and the Titans, they get no pressure on the quarterback. Last week, dead last and adjusted sacks. Clowney's there, but he's much more of a run stuffer than than pass guy. So I think James Robinson is interesting from a pure volume perspective. If you wanted to pivot off Snell, that could be the guy where you're like, well, you know what? He's going to be on the field just as much. Maybe he locks into a touchdown. Snell stays out of the end zone, and I, I, I win that way at what? Robinson will be, what, 5% owned? Snell, if he starts, might be 40. Now, that's the kind of pivot play you make. Um, the, the Jets running backs again, I can't go there. I think, uh, Raheem Mostert is actually interesting this week. You mentioned last week with Devin Singletary, you attacked the Jets on the perimeter 49ers do that incredibly well. They had 12 targets to running backs last week, second most in football. And George Kittle is questionable right now with the knee sprain. Even if he plays, they use him much more as a blocker, right? Before the knee sprain, five catches, 44 yards after the knee sprain, no catches. Um, they have no Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk is very questionable. They have no receivers. I think Mostert is a guy that obviously his numbers were a little inflated on the 76-yard touchdown pass. But if he gets five, six targets in this one, he could be pretty valuable. Well, the problem, I think, with the Jets' defense is that the one part that is actually kind of good is between the tackles. And I think that not having Kittle on the field actually hurts the run game, both from a blocking perspective, because he is a very good blocker. But at the same time, you have no real threat outside of, like, Kendrick 
born, I suppose, is the last man standing in this wide receiver core, unless Ayuk ends up going, that I, that might just be a stay away game for me. So before we leave running back, there is this kind of dead range that is full of really good running backs, which is kind of weird. Because like we said, it's going to be Henry or Zeke where people start. Then it's an immediate drop down to Jonathan Taylor at 5,700. That leaves David Johnson at 58, Kenyon Drake at 59, Miles Sanders, who's practicing in full at 6,000, Gurley at 61 in a shootout, Mostert, like you mentioned, Eckler at 65, Aaron Jones at 71, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Dalvin Cook. Like, if you wanted to fade all of the top end running backs, the first five, and start your team with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that doesn't actually seem like a terrible idea based on what I witnessed in week one. (laughs) Yeah, and he should get more pass game usage, right? I mean, they... (laughs) But they clearly have a plan for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And, you know, I know week one people are like, oh, he didn't score from six carries inside the the one-yard line or the inside the five-yard line. I don't care. He got all the touches. That's what I want. Uh, Daryl Williams looked horrendous. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire should be featured more in the pass game. That's where he's best at. The Chiefs really used him and relied on him. They're eight-and-a-half-point favorites. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a good play. I think Austin Eckler is a guy that I'm going to have a lot more exposure to than everybody else. I'm willing to try it one more time. Again, not Rivers, Tyrod Taylor. The usage could absolutely change, but that's how you beat the Chiefs is, is attack their linebackers with pass-catching backs. And, you know, over 230 passing yard or receiving yards for running backs last year. I think 6,500 Eckler, he's going to have – four to seven percent ownership i think less he's an inch less yeah this entire range is going to be all single digits yeah so i mean i i think that eckler is a guy that if this is if they do game plan for him you know it's it's interesting um and worst case scenario he gets 20 touches and and doesn't you know, completely kill you at 6,500. I'm willing to take, go back to the, the well one more time, but there's definitely real risk in Eckler's role, just not being at all the same and them not using him in this one, despite the fact that they're likely going to be trailing and, and it just completely blows up in my face. I think that if I go in this range, it's going to be to Sanders at $6,000. Um, the Eagles offensive line is going to get a little bit healthier, which is really nice uh, when Sanders is in the backfield for the Eagles. And now that he's practicing fully, uh, I would expect him to play 70% plus of the snaps. That includes the dump offs. It does not going to just be the tight ends this week. We just saw the Rams get run over by Zeke plus the usage out of the backfield. So I think he's in an interesting spot. No one wants to use him coming off the injury. That would be my easier lean there at $6,000. I guess the other one would just be Gurley. Like, everyone wants a part of that shootout game, and it doesn't seem like Todd Gurley is one of the people that anyone wants. <laughs> I think that's going to be the theme of, of 2020 is attack the Falcons games, right? They threw more time than anyone else. Um, and, <laughs> and last week they threw, what, 54 times? <laughs> people are just going to want parts of those Falcons games because their defense stinks and they throw the ball a ton. But Gurley, what, he scored a touchdown last week. He's going to be involved in the pass game. No Leighton Vander Esch. You can run on the Cowboys. We just saw Brown tear them up. I think Gurley is going to be the weekly leverage play on the Falcons passing offense, and you know, I think that's a good call. Sanders is another good one where, you know, last year he ended the season with, what, six straight games of five or more targets. He has that PPR floor. If he's healthy after the poor performance of both running backs from the Eagles, against a a better front. I know Aaron Donald is there, but you can run on the Rams. Those are definitely both good plays. I think they'll have more ownership than Eckler, and I'm probably going to die on this Eckler Hill alone, but I think that both those guys are absolutely in play. All right, let's move to wide receivers. Uh, Devontae Adams is not properly priced again. 
He's only 8100 bucks. Like, if Michael Thomas was going to be 9000 last week, Devontae Adams should be 9000 this week. Yes. I mean, his last six games are seven catches for 103 yards and a touchdown, 13 catches for 116 yards, seven catches for 93 yards and a touchdown, eight catches for 160 yards and, a touch- and two touchdowns, nine for 138, and then 14 for 156 and two touchdowns. And the man is not priced like Michael Thomas. Like, he's going – he saw – what 42% of the target share and, and 44% of the air yards. He's this, this is probably the best play of the slate again. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda is probably going to play. That's a hell of a matchup for a rookie to have to go against Adams. They are just going to continue to feed him the football. And he's, he's basically Michael Thomas of last year right now, except I don't have to pay nine K for him. So until I do, I will continue to play him. Yeah, it makes it really tricky because I think my favorite stack of the week is Kyler and Hopkins. And Hopkins is the second highest priced wide receiver. Fortunately, we found value at running back that I can theoretically make that possible if I go punt at other positions. But I I just look at this Washington defense. Like, they're going to get pressure on Kyler. That's fine. Uh, Kyler can scramble out of that. He's going to take some sacks, whatever. Uh, But Washington's defense is horrendous on the outside. And Hopkins had more outside perimeter targets last week than all of the other Arizona wide receivers combined. So he is going to absolutely torch them on the outside. Plus you get all the rushing upside that comes along with Murray and just hope that everything continues to funnel just through those two guys. So I think Adams objectively is a better play, but if I play Kyler, I'm going to have problems getting Adams in if I want to use Hopkins. I think you can get sneaky in that game and use uh, Logan Thomas as the run back. Uh, for the cheap punt tight end and be able to play Adams and Hopkins. Murray is absolutely too cheap. This team has done very well against the 49ers who are, who are built. They have a better secondary, but are built similarly to Washington, right? With that front seven and well, getting after the court. The well, the, the, the only difference is the amount of blitzing that ends up happening. And this is why I think that Arizona is going to crush Washington. Like last week, Washington blitzed more against Philadelphia than San Francisco did all last season. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really good counterpoint. What I was trying to really get at is the fact that the speed uh, of the offense, the pace that they play, the no huddle that wears out pass rushers. So you buy those little bit of extra time and Hopkins is, you know, if it's, if Adams is the top play on the slate, Adams might be the, or Hopkins might be the second best one. And he was the first read on 13 of his 16 targets. That (laughs) offense is designed around getting him the football now. And he's, he's cheaper than some of the top price running backs and he's locked and loaded for what, 10 to 15 targets in this one. Um, and his quarterback is too cheap. And Washington was only good against wide receiver ones last year because they had uh, Quentin Dunbar, who's now gone. We saw that Rieger and Deshaun Jackson absolutely crushed them in air yards. They just couldn't quite get there. I think that Hopkins is an absolute smash play this week. After that, you have Tyreek Hill, who I doubt people are going to own this week. Usually low-owned Tyreek Hill is like the GPP, like, Millie Maker winner. But Julio is now, what is he, $7,400? That's where everyone is going to go this week. I cannot make a counter to why people shouldn't play Julio outside the fact is I like those other two guys better, which means I'll probably have no Julio. Yeah, and Julio is not only $600 more than Calvin Ridley. Uh, he destroys cover three shells, which is what the Cowboys play the most of they're going to throw the ball a ton. And, you know, we talked last week about the reason we're all in on the Falcons is because the Seahawks generate no pressure. Well, last week, Jared Goff was only under pressure on like 11.4% of his dropbacks. Alden Smith did look really good. And the Falcons offensive line is bad. 
I mean, they were bottom eight in pressure allowed to the Seahawks, whose best pass rusher is Jamal Adams, a safety. But um, th this is a great matchup. The total's already gone, um, risen by three points. Julio Jones is another great play. This is definitely one of those situations for me where if you're playing multiple lineups, I'm rotating Hopkins, I'm rotating Adams, and I'm rotating Julio Jones in there because all these guys are getting double-digit targets and all these guys have 40-point ceilings. And you're right, no one's going to play Tyree Kill this week. Uh, which means that you probably should get some Tyreek Hill in your lineups. Yeah, so the, the problem becomes I'm not playing enough lineups to make this matter. Like this Dallas and Atlanta game really throws a wrench into what I want to do because I can see the writing on the wall. This is the game that you want to target. But the way that I play DraftKings, usually unsuccessfully, is fading that game and just trying to find the other one that might shoot out. And hopefully the weird parts of the game end up doing the scoring. Like, oh, all of a sudden, Tony Pollard finds the end zone. Dak rushes one in. Hayden Hurst finally gets on the board. Gurley scores two touchdowns. If that's the case, then all of a sudden I don't, then I win fading Matt Ryan and Julio and Calvin Ridley and that type of thing. Maybe Russell Gage ends up catching the touchdown. Who knows? But that's the only kind of path out for me here if I want to use those other guys. Like, I'm just not going to play enough lineups to say, hey, I want to play Adams, Hopkins, and Julio. I can only really pick two of those three guys to start my teams with, and Julio is going to be the man on the outside for me. Yeah, and listen, there's there's hope for you with Hayden Hurst this week. I mean, he ran more routes than any other tight end last week. Cowboys were first in receiving yards allowed the tight end and third in receptions. Um, there's, there's paths where Hayden Hurst is the guy who gets in the end zone, and Julio goes for you know, eight for 90, and then he he doesn't get there. There's That's definitely well within the range of outcomes. We talk about the receiver position as the high, highest range of variance, and I, I think the Cowboys receivers are actually the better values in that game, going down to Amari Cooper at 6,300, CeeDee Lamb in the slot uh, at 4,700. I think there's ways to get cheaper exposure to that game than just the Falcons passing offense as well. And then we get into kind of a dead zone. I mean, Ridley's going to draw ownership, but you have Godwin and Thielen. Thielen's been great, by the way. Like, Thielen is appropriately priced. He's just not as – the upside just isn't there with him as it is the other guys. Maybe it is, actually. But I feel like he has such a safe floor, Yeah, especially on the road as dogs. Like, Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs. No, no, people aren't playing them. Uh, Juju, maybe people are back in at 6,500. But Godwin's dealing with it. He was put in concussion protocol yesterday, so I don't even know if he's going to play or not. I assume he will be. Evans, who knows, with him and where his hamstring is at. Is he going to be a decoy again? I'm actually kind of with, like, Robert Woods, decent play. They might just try to run in that game. Same with Cooper Cup. Um, but then you have, like, Will Fuller and DJ Moore. I think that's where you should be looking down here if you want to get off Cooper. I, I feel like you, you're you looking at my notes again. Um, <laughs> DJ Moore, I think, is is a great bounce-back candidate this week. I mean, the Panthers were uh, first in pace of play last year. The Bucks were opponents who were first in play uh, pace of play last year. You look at um, them, they forced more passing uh, plays against them than any other team in the league last year. DJ, Moore, they, they were the worst team against wide receiver ones. DJ Moore led his team in air yards and targets. Um, he disappointed a lot of people. We talked at the top of the show with the, the two drops. I, if he didn't drop those passes, I think he would be 20% owned this week. At 6,300, I think he's a, a fantastic play. I mentioned Amari Cooper. And Will Fuller is a great call. I mean, the Ravens are destroying everybody last year they finished the season winning uh the last 10 games by an average of 19.8 points this year they come out and they absolutely you know curb stomp the cleveland browns uh will fuller in games that he averages over eight targets averages over 100 yards a game 
this he got the short passes, intermediate passes, deep passes, red zone looks. You know, Will Fuller could get a ton of volume in this one. I think is too cheap at 6,200. Him, DJ Moore, I think are really good tournament plays. I think Cooper will be popular. But those are my favorite 6K wide receivers. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on the same page too, except for when you look at $6,000 and see Mr. DJ Chark Jr. He was a blatant pass interference from the, like, the Colts had to tackle him because he was gone for like an 80-yard touchdown, basically. Uh, you know, sensible move uh, to stop them there and just take the pass interference penalty, and they actually ended up stopping him on that drive. But where he only caught the touchdown, he was third in receptions on the Jags last week. Like I, I talked about Kyler and Hopkins is my favorite stack. My second favorite one is going to be, once again, Gardner Minshew, DJ Chark, bring it back with Derrick Henry, be on your way. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, we talked about it last week. Minshew was one of my favorite guys last week. He's going to be one of my favorite guys every week because he's too cheap. He runs and he throws deep. That's what he does when they're when they're trailing. And Shark is going to be the guy that he throws deep to. You can attack the uh, Titans secondary and the Titans don't get pressure. So that's, that's a great scenario. And every week Jacksonville is going to have low ownership, it appears. And it's going to be one of these. This is probably the main reason I'm not going to end up playing James Robinson because I will want to have Chark. Uh, so like Adams or Hopkins, then Chark uh, is basically how I'm going to start here. Then we get into the fives. Things start getting a little bit dicier. Uh, I do think, I mean, I guess we should talk about Kenny Galladay. If he ends up playing, no one's going to use him. But coming out like, what are you doing with all these like coming off hamstring injury guys? That always makes me a little nervous, especially like he, he's already got a DNP this week. I think he's more, much more likely to be a uh, a decoy than he is to be a big part of this. Quinn Cephas obviously becomes very uh, interesting at 3,800. Led the team uh, in targets last week with 10. Um, saw 24% of the team's air yards. He's he's got he's one of the better values this week down there at 3,800. I'll probably just not look at Kenny Galladay. I think T.Y. Hilton is interesting. You know, he did see 39% of the air yards. He had a couple bad drops, nine targets. We want to attack that Viking secondary. We just saw Adams go off. Lazard had um, a big game. I think the Vikings corners are one of the worst tandems in the NFL. And getting Hilton in that price range makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah, and like in the 5K, Hilton's tough for me. I probably won't get there with him, but you have Marvin Jones and Michael Gallup, two pretty good plays. Jamison Crowder's now dealing with a hamstring injury himself at 5,400. I think that would be very logical for people to go to. Uh, he really did me a gigantic solid last week, uh, catching that like bubble screen, just taking it to the house. Fantastic news. Get your bonus, get your touchdown, get your six receptions. Be on your way, Jamison, because uh, it was very, it was struggle to start the game for the entire Jets offense, and the Bills stopped trying, and it was far more fortuitous to all of the Jets receivers named Jamison Crowder. Everyone else sucked because the team is no good. That, <laughs> that, that hurts. But in that $5,000 range, like the Giants guys are there, both Sterling Shepard and Slayton. Slayton is cheaper. He had the big game on Monday night. More people are going to use him. But I was still encouraged with what I saw from Sterling Shepard. Yeah, Shepard is one of those guys that what he gets kicked inside to the slot because Tate's not there. He is much better. Buster Screen is a guy that we're always looking to target. Darius Slayton is, I think, really coming into his own and is going to see a lot of rookie Jalen Johnson, who's a guy we were all over last week we wanted to attack, right? We were we were going to be all in on Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones last week, and Slayton now comes into the same matchup. Daniel Jones looked really good and was really good when he wasn't pressured. If they can keep him upright, I think that 
you know, Darius Slayton could be a breakout receiver this year and you don't get the Monday night football price pump at 5k. I'm a pretty big fan of his this week. You mentioned Jamison Crowder. Um, that team's average air completion of air, uh, air yards was 3.5 yards. It was, they, they don't have time to throw the ball more than a couple yards, which is why Herndon and Crowder are going to get all the targets. Um, Herndon is obviously a tight end and a cheaper punt play, but your, your call on Crowder attacking the bills in the slot made a ton of sense last week. And, you know, bravo to you on that one. Cause that, that was a guy that had no ownership and, and crushed last week. So other than that, in the five Ks, like I'm not going to buy into the Robbie Anderson resurgence. Uh, like I said, I pre- just much prefer DJ Moore uh, in that situation. I think he's the better receiver. Like you said, Robbie Anderson kind of luck sacked his way into a big game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he legit had what one seventy five yard catch, and it was on like a ten yard pass. Uh, Michael Gallup is probably the guy to go to in that area if you're looking to stack that Cowboys Falcons game with some cheaper plays. Him and Ceedee Lamb probably are pretty popular. Um, I typically Gallup and Cooper don't both have massive games. I think Cooper is the better play. I think Lamb is probably the next guy I would go to. But Gallup, if you're going to do, I know we, we talk more, you know, one to three lineups here. But if you're going to game stack that one up and, and 20, 20 max it, you definitely want to make sure you have some Michael Gallup in that one. Uh, any sort of now, you know, 10 days removed from the quad injury where he just looked gimped up on the opening Thursday night game. We talked about Fuller. Would this be a week to swing back to Cooks knowing that no one's going to use him? They just didn't look his way. But um, he was, he was also, he was also like limping around the field. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And they all, but Watson didn't look Cobb's way either. He really relied on the guys that he was familiar with. Um, I think in general, the Ravens are just not a team I look to target. They have the best trio of corners in the NFL. They're getting after the passer now. They beat this team 41 to 7. This is just not the spot from I don't I don't look to attack the Ravens. I get the Cook's call, right? He's got the big playability. No one's gonna play him, but it's just not for me. Yeah, uh, I guess if Galladay sits again, Danny Amendola actually he's sort of like the Jamison Crowder of this tier. Uh, if Jamison Crowder is once he's gonna be banged up or limited or just doesn't play. Uh, but you have Kendrick Bourne in here who might be the Niners only receiver. Uh, that's interesting to a degree, but now we're just talking about bad players when there are good players who are cheaper than this. You mentioned CeeDee Lamb. He's 4700 bucks. I think him and Russell Gage for me are just both passes. Uh, I think Gage is going to be overly popular, one, due to recency bias from last week. He he ain't seeing, you know, what, 13 targets a game uh, unless they're just <laughs> down by 25, which I guess is on the table for them almost every single week. But that game is just going to be overly popular. He's coming at a cheap – he's coming off a good game. He's the cheapest of the Falcons receivers. He's going to carry ownership. I think you're much better dropping off down lower. I don't know how popular that either – like, I, I think that Scantling – Deontay Johnson and Paris Campbell, or Paris Gamble, as we call him on this show. Uh, he's a big fan of the gym chain across the United States, sponsored by France. La Fitness, that's where he goes to work out. But those guys are going to just garner some ownership themselves. Like, why not just use Mike Williams? Like, how popular is Mike Williams going to be? Because I really like him, and he kills the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, he does kill the Chiefs, and he's a, their big play threat. He's coming off nine targets, and... You know, he's looking like every bit of the receiver they drafted him to be. Uh, The Chargers are going to have to try to keep up. The Chiefs do do a good job with um, protecting the deep ball. But Mike Williams is going to have the size advantage and the body control against one of the worst secondaries in the NFL right now 
with suspensions and injuries happening to the Chiefs. So I think Williams is, is a pretty interesting play, and he's he's simply too cheap. Deontay Johnson's definitely a guy that I'm interested in. He had a couple bad drops, but you see his route running and explosiveness. He did see 10 targets, and, you know, the, the Broncos secondary certainly doesn't scare me. He's probably going to be lined up against Jonathan Joseph, who I think he could take advantage of. But Mike Williams is a, is a cheap way to get exposure to a Chargers team that's probably going to have to throw a lot in this one. Yeah, and it just it really seemed like Tyrod locked in on Henry and Mike Williams. Like that was his go-to first look almost every single time. Yeah, and the Bengals were one of the worst teams in the league covering the deep ball, so that makes sense, and covering the tight end. But quite frankly, the Bengals are just one of the worst teams in the NFL at covering, and then you just insert the position or player, and it's a true statement, right? But <laughs> if he locks in on Mike Williams and you get nine downfield targets or even seven downfield targets at 4,200, I mean, that's that becomes really difficult to play on a slate where one or two of those guys really opens up all the studs for you. Yeah, the only other guy down there, you mentioned Cephas uh, in the – $3,800 range, but that's only viable if Kenny Galladay doesn't play, and I think you're taking a shot. The other guy, because he had you know, all 25% of the team air yards like you're talking about, the other guy with all of the air yards, and I think this is why becoming a sub at ftndaily.com, promo code MAYO for a discount, by the way, is so valuable. Radcliffe has the cornerback wide receiver charts and the projections up there for that, and that is so valuable in certain circumstances like this one. The Rams game against Philly. I think people are just kind of writing off Philly far too early. But at the same time, Ramsey is going to be on either Deshaun Jackson or Ragor. If he is on Deshaun Jackson, I think you can play Ragor. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Jalen Rieger or Ragor, I'm, I'm, I guess, pronouncing it wrong. But he's he was one of the top prospects. He's got big game-breaking uh, ability. You can attack the Rams vertically. Outside of Ramsey, they're not that good. Ramsey's also not quite the same player, right? Gallup did beat him on what was not pass interference for what should have been, you know, the, the game-tying play. Uh, Rieger was a guy who had a lot of air yards last week. They're going to take vertical shots. They do get Lane Johnson back. You just got to hope that Aaron Donald doesn't absolutely murder them and allow them to get the ball down the field. But at 4,100, and he's going to have low ownership, those are the kind of wide receiver plays that win tournaments. It's just that they – they both, both Jackson and Rieger, Regor, Rieger, Regor. Yeah, it's the Pat Mayo experience. No one gives a shit about how I pronounce things. I pronounce everything wrong anyway. Uh, but just the fact that they, everything's just going to be like, oh, look at the tight ends. They had the touchdowns. They had all of the targets. But the valuable targets, the ones that didn't materialize, were these downfield ones that both these guys got that I still am kind of scared of Jalen Ramsey. And if he wants to take out Deshaun Jackson, that's fine. I'll just go to the other side of the field. I want to, I really want to read Radcliffe's projection on that because i think you go to one or you go to the other and you just have big playability almost like you have with mike williams i don't know if i double them up in a lineup both those guys next to each other but i think that's where you save money on this slate of wide receiver i think that's a, a really good call and you know those guys who get the air yards and didn't perform last week the in the previous week those are the guys you want to target because all it takes is one or two plays and you know rager was a guy who all camp was was doing phenomenally well. They, he was a surprise active last week, right? Uh, Deshaun Jackson was a guy that everyone was on because there was no Rager. And now, you know, he's he's going to be fully healthy for this one. He will have already gotten his first game under his belt. He'll probably play more snaps with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, you know, being one, just he's horrendous. And Greg Ward is no good either. They're going to feature him underneath as well. That was a big part of the their camp was getting him involved underneath, trying to find ways to get him the football. 
So I think he's a guy that could, you know, go off this week and next week be a 5.2, 5.5K player, and no one's going to play him this week. So let's move to tight end. It's tough at the top of tight end because it's basically Mark Andrews. You have Kelsey, who's super expensive, Kittle, who's banged up, and Mark Andrews, who looks like, at least for one week, in terms of snap share, in terms of target share, he does deserve to be up there with him. I always thought he was kind of a tier below, but this week I think he's the best value play of those top three guys. It's just I don't know if I want to pay 6300 for a tight end in a week like this where there are so many good pay-up options at some of the other positions. And I think we've already hit on the two names that I think everyone should be using. Logan Thomas, thirty six hundred bucks. Chris Herndon, thirty four hundred bucks. Like, if you only have to pay in the mid threes for these guys, like, why are you using anyone else? Yeah, I mean, this is what we talked about last week, where I don't like paying up for tight ends. Right, Kittle was in an amazing spot. We talked about Andrews last week, who caught two touchdowns. You know, he ran a route on eighty seven percent of the dropbacks last year. His high was seventy three percent. He played seventy one percent of the snaps last year. His high was fifty seven percent. Uh, he's got a ton of upside in that game. I do think the Ravens, you know, beat the bricks off the Texans and they don't throw a ton in that one. So I'm I'm with you. I, I look to play the value guys. Unfortunately, Goddard's already jumped. Uh, I think Higby's in a decent bounce back spot this week. He played 89% of the snaps. Oh, yeah. 4,700. You also have to remember Higby sucks. So there's that. Uh, and, <laughs> and apparently Gerald Everett's back is doing a lot better now. But um speaking of sucks the jets right we 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 talked about the fact that they they don't have time to get the ball down the field so chris herndon and jameson crowder are going to get all the targets because they run all their routes in that five to ten yard range herndon caught six of seven uh targets last week for what like 36 yards now that's not a great game by any stretch of the imagination but if your tight end gets you 10 points you're in really good shape because shape because it allows you to play all the other studs and you know, we've targeted the Cardinals for, what, 18 straight games now, 17 straight games now. Why would we stop doing it with Logan Thomas, who got eight targets last week? He looked good. He got some uh, – he got the end zone uh, target, which he converted into a touchdown. Um, I know Isaiah Simmons is there, but the first half, Kittle was destroying them. He was well on his way to a monster game uh, before he got hurt. I, I think that Logan Thomas going with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins is a really good game stack. And then – his savings allows you to get Adams in your lineup as well. It's all about the savings in this circumstance. I think that the one pivot that you can use in this range, and I'm curious to see because of the game stack potential here, that if this is the cheap guy that everyone goes to, but with no Blake Jarrell and Dalton Schultz, was the guy on the field for the Cowboys at tight end. If he is just standing on that field, shocker, no one's covering him. Yes. And probably for good reason, right? Because he's horrendous. (laughs) But uh, he he had two drops, including the one that caused the uh, the fourth down or the third down run on third and six. And then the fourth down uh, go for it, which, you know, obviously cost the Cowboys the game on the on second down. He's the one who dropped it. He had the same amount of targets as Michael Gallup. He the the Falcons aren't good at covering tight ends. He played 69 percent of the snaps. And that was with Jarwin. That was you know, obviously with Jarwin playing a quarter and a half, he's a cheap punt game stack guy in this one. But um, that's kind of the only way I'm playing him is if I'm game stacking that game up and trying to be different. I think that Herndon and Thomas are locked and loaded into more volume and Thomas has a better matchup. So I, I lean Thomas, but the Schultz thing I get, but he's he's really bad at football, which comes into play at times. Yeah, so I, I don't want to overcomplicate this. Herndon, Thomas, Move on your way. 
Yeah, I, for, for me, absolutely. I think the other guy that is a little bit interesting is Mike Gusecki at 4K because he plays so much in the slot, and that's, the, that's where we want to attack the Bills. Parker could be missing in this one, which would mean Trey White's on Preston Williams. Gusecki that, sitting there at 4K, an incredibly low total game. I think that's a direction that people aren't going to look. But if Gusecki's got an opportunity to get seven-plus targets at 5% ownership, he's got some run-after-the-catch ability. We know he's got – um, you know, that great contested catchability in the end zone. I think that Gasecki at 4K is an interesting play, but Herndon and Thomas are two top tight end plays on the slate for me. Last one, because it's 3300 bucks. I, I, I do think that Herndon and Thomas are just going to develop to be the chalk. That's just such a logical way to go. That low, cheap, tight end chalk, never really the best thing. Uh, Bus out a lot. But Jordan Akins is down there as well, 3300 bucks. It looked like he was, again, Deshaun Watson's like go-to guy over Darren Fells, which really shocked me, but apparently not a lot of other people. Uh, and if they're going to be, a, you know, they're seven-point dogs at home against the Ravens. And the Ravens can lay a shit kicking on you early. That this could be garbage time from like a quarter and a half on then we see houston try to get it back i think if there's one spot where you really want to go at the ravens it's like garbage time seam routes and i agree with you that you know garbage time seam routes are are his specialty right that's how he got (laughs) in the end zone and 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 paid off his price last week i I think that whenever you get to that 33 tight end uh 3300 tight end range if the guy can get in the end zone he's playable and you're right on herndon and thomas like it's the thing for me is it's not even about what they can do. It's about the fact that the the pay up tight ends so often put up 15 that if your pay down tight ends can put up eight or nine, the, the pay up receivers and running backs that you get outperform all those other guys by so much more that it's rarely worth paying up for the tight end. So I have no problem if you want to look at this range, game stack it up, tell yourself a story, say that Phil's. Uh, sorry, um, Aikens played a lot more. He looked really good. He's an explosive athlete. Let's let's take the shot on him and hope that he does better than Herndon or Thomas because that's well within the range of outcomes and he'll be much cheaper. But uh, again, at 3,300, the tight end, you're, you're probably uh, fighting an uphill battle regardless. QBs and stacks. We're going to talk about stacks linked with these quarterbacks because that's how you should be playing your lineups. Uh Except for, I guess, Lamar would be the one, the one that you can just use at 8,200. Same with Mahomes. I'm just not, pay, especially in this week where all the expensive options, especially at receiver, are very enticing. You save your money at tight end and you can save your money elsewhere at quarterback as well. So, my favorite stack, like I mentioned, it's going to be Kyler, two DeAndre Hopkins, Logan Thomas. Bring it back. Boom. That's a very cheap stack uh, comparatively to the rest of the stuff that people are going to do, whether it be Matt Ryan and the Falcons coming back with a Cowboy, Dak and the Cowboys coming back with Julio or Ridley. Like, that's super expensive. Expensive. Other than that, like people will be enticed to play Aaron Rodgers coming off a good week, but historically, over the past three years, the Lions just play Green Bay really tight. Uh, it's I don't know why, I don't know how, but they do every single time. Uh, they've covered six straight games against them. So I think my second favorite stack, like I mentioned, a cheaper one again, Minshew to Chark, bring it back with Derrick Henry, and the third one. Now that we've had this conversation, I wasn't even really thinking about this, but. It'll be a contrarian stack in a situation that seems really, really good, especially with A.J. Boye uh, out of this game in the pass rush, not looking great for Denver, but the triple stack of Ben, Juju, and Deontay Johnson. If everyone wants to use Snell, especially if Connor's out, I think that could be a really good pivot off of Snell if you wanted to do it, because I don't think anyone wants a part of that. No, I I don't think you'll you'll see much Ben Roethlisberger ownership and. You know, Steelers at home, That's that's been something that has won people tournaments for 
quite a while now, right? And the, the double stack is very affordable. One that you didn't mention that I think is interesting is Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore. With um, McCaffrey. I, I, I think you throw McCaffrey in there too. Yeah, that, that is abs- 100% in play. I and mean, we saw it last week, Teddy Bridgewater had a good game and Christian McCaffrey had a good game. Um, I think that another one that no one's going to go with if uh, is Matthew Stafford. You mentioned they always give the Packers a lot of problems. And Stafford is in that Matt Ryan and Dak Prescott conversation of if they don't, if you don't pressure them, they eat you alive. And they're, they're not going to be able to play from ahead this week. Um, like they did last week, they're going to have to throw the football a lot. The Packers were second work worst in pressure rate last season. I think that Stafford is a guy that, you know, you look at since 2016 averages 22 DK points. He's got a guy like Swift who's too cheap, a guy like Cephas, if there's no Galladay, who's, who's too cheap. And I don't think anyone's going to go that direction. You have Adams on one side, you run it back with Cephas and Stafford. You've got your savings, you've got your upside plays, and you've got your low ownership when Adams is going to be super chalky. Uh, the only other one that I was really considering, just when Minshew was 8-5 and five against the spread as a starter, which I thought was really interesting, and any time that a game total has been lower than 45 in the games that he's played in, the game has gone over. So I don't mind that there's a low total in that game because I think that game goes over. The other one with game, which I think that goes over, is that Bears-Giants game. Yeah, I... <laughs> The one tight end play we didn't mention was Jimmy Graham. Pass, and pass. Come on. For, for the record, that's 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 where I'm going with this. I, you didn't let me finish my sentence. I was <laughs> going to say that, you know, we talked about Trubisky throwing a ton in the red zone. We talked uh, Jimmy Graham could have had two touchdowns last week. He had he had 27 percent of the target share. He's been a red zone threat. The Giants suck in the red zone and aren't good against tight ends. But the issue with Jimmy Graham goes back to the Dalton Schultz issue. Uh, he's horrendous. Um, so I can't go there, but I can see that Giants Bears game uh, being a sneaky shootout because that Giants defense is really, really bad, and their offense is a bit underrated. So you know, Anthony Miller, uh, Darius Slayton, Daniel Jones, that kind of, or Trubisky, Anthony Miller, and Darius Slayton. I think that kind of stack has some sneaky upside. But I agree with you, by the way. Uh, I was reading on Jimmy Graham. I was like, this makes sense, and then I was like, the problem with it is that he's Jimmy Graham. And that never seems to work in the last five years. So I, I, the final one I'll throw out, and I don't even have a ton of conviction on this, but I think it's just interesting if you want to play like a solo quarterback, because uh, I don't really know where it goes to. But Jimmy G, he's cheap. And the Jets have a good run defense and zero pass defense. I, <laughs> I was doing the same thing when I was doing my research. And I was like, who do I stack him with? Because this, this team gets no pressure and forces you to pass the ball. Um, I just, I couldn't get there. You know, one other one that's interesting for me is we, we mentioned Clyde Edwards-Alaire being a really good value as a, as a way to differentiate from the Zeke. Tyrod? Derrick Henry. We mentioned Mike Williams. If Mike Williams goes off, Tyrod Taylor is going to pay off that 5,300, isn't he? And the Chiefs aren't great against rushing quarterbacks. Yeah, but He it, just it, disappointed here, it, a lot. Here, here's my problem with someone like Tyrod. I think he's a better season-long fantasy quarterback than he is because of his floor than he is a DraftKings quarterback because I still need my quarterback to break the slate if I want to win. I just don't think that he has any upside. Like, he's good for 20 points, which pays off his price at 4X. That's fine. But I want my quarterback to be scoring, like, 40 points. You want him to have that 30, 40-point upside. Uh, I mean, Rodgers won people everything with 32 points last week. That's the upside you want to get to. For Tyrod to hit that, we need him to get in the uh, uh, have a rushing touchdown. We right? need him to actually, like, we, we need him to actually rush. 
Well, he ran the ball six times last week. He just only had seven yards. Yeah, that's not good. Which, no, it's not good. But the, I'm just saying the volume was there for the rushing attempts. We like Mike Williams. He's super cheap. Uh, it's it's a way to game stack a Chiefs game. Maybe potentially run it back with Tyree Kill to be different. I'm just throwing out potential stacks. I'm probably not going to go there with Tyrod. I think Teddy, I think Minshew um, are the ways I really want to go. Stafford, and if I'm going to pay up, Dak and Ryan. I think those are probably your best stacks. I'm just thinking we like Mike Williams a lot. For him to hit that upside, we're looking for 100 yards and a touchdown. If Tyrod Taylor gets him there and adds something on the ground, could he pay off and maybe you see 26, 27 points? It's just 5,300. That's so cheap. But the more I say it out loud, the less I like it. (laughs) Uh, Defense. This is where we made our bones last week. Uh, Turns out it wasn't just us. It was on Washington. It was a lot of people. But, hey, it was the right play. They were the cheapest D, and they were the highest scoring D on the main slate. This week, the most expensive D looks like the good D. It's just hard to afford jamming in the Niners (laughs) into your... Oh, my God. Uh, It's a great play. I I just don't know if I can get there in terms of pricing. Other than that, the Rams are shaping up, I assume, to be the chalk defense against everyone just watched all the pressure in the world get to Carson Wentz. Uh, They're $2,800 at Philly. I I think it's objectively a good play. Uh, If it gets too popular, I might end up being out on that one. And after that, we got some problems because – I think the Colts against against Minnesota at 2,500 at home. The Colts' defense was bad last week in giving up, like, big plays, but they were actually the best team in adjusted sack rate last week, and Kirk Cousins, not great. Yeah, I think that we we talked last week, and uh, we'll talk every time I come on this show about looking for cheap defenses. The 49ers are objectively the the best defense in terms of highest projection, but – Variance gets you on defense, and I always like to go cheaper against quarterbacks who struggle with pressure, right? Last week, we talked about the Saints, who were a good GPP play. We talked about Washington. This week, I think that, you know, the Dolphins are someone I would consider if Byron Jones and Xavier Howard end up playing because Josh Allen will take sacks. He will hold on to the ball, and there are opportunities for turnovers whenever he plays, and he's super cheap. I think that the Colts are a great call because if they get up in this game and they force the Vikings to throw a ton and they're able to take away Adam Thielen even remotely they're going to get pressure on Kirk Cousins and that offense doesn't really scare you so I think at 2500 as a home favorite that makes a lot of sense um could you make an argument I'm just looking at the, these these bottom tier defenses could you make an argument that the Jets are a decent play if there's no George Kittle and they have no receivers and they take away the run game and Jimmy G's not very good? No, because um, I, I I just think that the, even if the run game isn't working, they're probably just going to continue running anyway and it won't matter. <laughs> that's This is just one of those games where the whole world is on the 49ers minus seven. Everyone is. Saying, I, I, I think that you should be. I think that the Jets are improperly priced like the Dolphins were for the first few weeks last year. I think the Jets are the worst team in football. Uh, just just to be very, very clear, I just think that at 2,000 as a home uh, dog against a team missing all of its top pass-catching weapons that stops the run, I think that they're worth throwing in um, if I'm going to do a ton of lineups. That's why I want to mention them. We talk about – I think another interesting team is the Cowboys. We talk about ways to leverage that game. Matt Ryan struggles under pressure. Could Alden Smith disrupt that game? But I agree, there's not that, like, slam dunk, 
cheap defense that Washington was last week. The, the problem um, I think that people get confused by, we've been really good with defenses. This is a track record for me. I get everything wrong basically except for defenses. Uh, and again, follow the pressure. Where is the pressure going? The other thing that people really have a problem with, and I explain this every single week, but for anyone who's watching for the first time, I don't care if my defense gives up 28 points. I really don't. I'm there for the sacks. I'm there for the pressure. In fact, sometimes it's almost not, I wouldn't say worse, but if you're relying on a team to pitch you a shutout, that doesn't happen. So if they give up seven points and they, they dominate on defense, the Bills defense is a good example of this, where it's like, oh yeah, they'll win 22 to seven. That's great. It was a dominant defensive performance. You go look at their fantasy numbers, like, oh, it wasn't good. Turns out that the Cowboys gave up 35 points, but they scored a defensive touchdown. They had five sacks. They scored all of the points the Saints defense is a perfect example of that too just one of these teams that they're going to give up points it's going to happen because their offenses are so good but sometimes targeting defenses in higher total games or higher pace games is the way to go which leads me back to Washington again um I like Kyler I like DeAndre Hopkins I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive as Arizona does not have a great offensive line and Kyler Murray does take sacks I mean, I think your point on defense is right. It's where, follow the pressure. Where's the pressure going to go? Uh, look at the Steelers last week, right, in terms of how much variance can get you on defense. That performance against the Giants was incredible. They dominated the line of scrimmage. Barkley had six rushing yards. They were in Daniel Jones' face all day long, and they finished with eight points. So paying up for a defense, they really need a defensive touchdown or two potentially to, to be worth paying 4K for. Um, Washington's defense, I think, is going to be in play every game this year because they get pressure. I mean, we, we talked last week. They added Chase Young to, you know, they now have four first-round picks on that front. And their backup, Ryan Kerrigan, has over 100 sacks in his career and is still a really good player. They're going to create pressure, which creates turnovers and opportunities. Like you said, they're not mutually exclusive. I don't think I want to play Kyler Hopkins and Washington on the same team. But I definitely have no problem mixing and matching my exposures to both those uh, yeah, this week. I, I think in any, like, in, I mean, you can play them together. It's probably best not to play them together unless that's how Washington scores all their points. That would be fantastic. You know, you pick six, bring it back the other way, or sack fumble, bring it back the other way, put Cowher back on the field for some throwing and running. It'd be perfect. But I think the Cardinals, D, very live in that game as well against Haskins. But just to look at it from last week, the teams with the top pressure in the league per adjusted sack rate, one, Indy, two, Washington, Kansas City, New Orleans, Miami, number five. Maybe Miami's D isn't so crazy because Josh Allen's going to give you two turnovers. Yeah, he and he holds on to the ball, and if they can force them to throw at all, you know, <clears throat> that's you the pro- target- That's the problem, though. Yeah. Can they force yeah, them I mean, to throw? And the, the Patriots ran 66.7% of the time against the Dolphins last week. That's all they did. But the Dolphins... You know, again, I really want to make sure Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are healthy. But if they are, that's probably the best cornerback tandem in the NFL. Um, they can get after the quarterback. And even 20 to 25 Josh Allen dropbacks can get you where you need to be. 2,100, they're, they're at home. I know home field advantage isn't the same thing. But historically, home defenses are the way you want to go. I think that 2,100, that's probably my cash game defense because I want – I want the money to pay up for everybody else. I, I do agree that the Rams are probably going to be the chalkiest um, because the Eagles just got absolutely obliterated. Aaron Donald got pressure on 33% of his pass rushing opportunities and the Eagles are missing their one good guard. So I definitely think that Donald could destroy them and, and disrupt a lot, but it's not like you can't still score a lot of points on the Rams. And I, I know that's not everything. Like you said, it's all about the pressure, but there's definitely paths to them 
not getting there. I, I think 2100 for the Dolphins is probably my favorite point per value play. Uh, if you don't want to use the Rams or the 49ers because they're too expensive, uh, but you do have the money left over, the Bills D is somewhat intriguing. The problem is uh, if we look at the best offensive lines from week one as it, as it pertains to adjusted sack rate, Denver was the best, then Detroit, Indianapolis, Green Bay, and Tennessee were your top five. Yeah. Um, I, I just can't get up to the $3,900 range, right? We talk about all these studs we want to play. Am I really not going to play like DeAndre Hopkins to play Michael Gallup so that I can play the Bills defense yeah. instead of the Dolphins defense? Like, I just, I can't get there. I, th- I think, you know, we, we've mentioned the three best ones. I think the Rams, but their, their ownership probably takes me off them. The Colts, who are home favorites in this one, this one, and you can stack them up with Jonathan Taylor, which will be great for his game script. And the Dolphins are probably the three defenses that I'm looking to go the most. Do the Rams have a good offensive line, or do the Cowboys just not have pass rush? The Rams came into the year with projected one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. <laughs> so if that's so, if that's the case, Philly's D is live because they get pressure. Philly, yes. Yes, they absolutely can get pressure, and that's that's how they built their defense. And Jared Goff is horrendous, horrendous under pressure. And right now, the Eagles are what one point home underdogs, and they just came off losing to Washington, so everyone thinks they stink. Um, but yeah, targeting Jared Goff has always been a very successful thing, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's <laughs> um, if they can control that run game and force him to throw a lot. I mean, he was only pressured on I think eleven point four percent of his dropbacks last week, so. If you can pressure Goff, he is horrendous. So they, I think the Eagles defense is actually a really sharp call. And it, it then puts you on the opposite side of the chalk defense, right? Exactly. You have a lot of leverage that way. Yeah, so I think for me, um, I, we talked about the chalkier defense. You can use Rams, Niners, Bills. They all make sense. For me, it's going to be Eagles, Colts, and Dolphins, I think. Yeah, I actually think that that's a really, really sharp call. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up on the Eagles because now I'm going to have some exposure to them. All right. Elliot Chris, tell everyone what's going on over at FTNDaily.com this week. Besides my live show, 7.30 yeah, I mean, p.m. Eastern I don't know time how we, on Friday nights. I don't know how we top the Pat Mayo um, live show, but we've got a ton of content going on over there. My Thursday night football showdown breakdown is coming out uh, here shortly. David Jones and I hop on a live stream. We've got live streams basically every single day. We've got chat. We've got more content uh, than any other site out there. We've got the best tools in the industry. We've got a three-time Millie Maker who gives you all of his exposures. Uh, we we entertain. We we teach. We interact. We hop and chat with you guys. And you know, at FTN Daily, I think we bring you the best experience in the industry. So definitely check us out at FTNDaily.com. Use promo code Mayo to get yourself ten percent off. And I cannot stress enough how good the optimizer, the projections, the tools. You know, I'm a tools guy. Uh, you're not going to find any of Pat Mayo's like official written content or video. I mean, I have the video show where I talk to the professional DraftKings players. Pat Mayo, not a professional DraftKings player. You don't want to be paying for my picks. You want to be paying for the picks of the people that win the millions of dollars. Two gun, three time millionaire maker champion. But these tools are so good. Highly recommend them. FTNDaily.com. Code Mayo. Get yourself a discount for football season. That will do it on the show. Follow Elliot on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at the PME. You can find the cheat sheet for this up Friday on DKPlaybook.com. Uh, you can find some of my pivot plays up on FTNDaily.com, all for free up there, of course, because, again, it's me. Uh, and remember to smash the like button for the show and play in the Listener's League, all right? I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. 
I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.